بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Last week we spoke about the conquest of Damascus and how the Muslims defeated the Byzantine army and conquered the city. And we also mentioned that at the same time, the same time that the Battle of Damascus was going on, there was also another faction of the Byzantine army that was stationed in the city of Fihl. And that army consisted of the surviving Byzantine soldiers who had retreated after their defeat at the Battle of Yarmouk earlier. So these soldiers who were defeated at Yarmouk, the ones who survived, they went to Fihl, they reorganized themselves, and they prepared for battle once again. So now after conquering Damascus, Abu Ubaidah and Khalid ibn al-Walid and the rest of their army, they headed towards Fihl to take care of that army as well. So now Damascus is taken care of, but now they still have to take care of the army at Fihl. So they go towards Fihl. And Shurahbil ibn Hasana was appointed as the commander for the Muslim army at Fihl. So the Muslim ar army reached Fihl at night and they received a message. The Muslims received a message from the Khalifa, from Amir al-Mu'mineen Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu an. And he, he wanted to make sure that they were extra careful in this situation at Fihl. And he mentioned that this army at Fihl, this Byzantine army at Fihl, they are desperate because they were defeated earlier. So when people are defeated and they become hopeless and they become desperate, they start to do crazy things. They have a mindset like, you know, what have we got to lose? Let's just do anything. So Umar radiallahu anhu said like these people they have that type of mindset because of their previous defeat so you need to be extra cautious of them they may do something very unexpected and Umar radiallahu anhu said perhaps perhaps they may attack you at night usually these battles they only take place in the daytime because imagine you know face to face battle with swords how can you do it in the dark right so neither side usually initiates a battle in the night. They wait for daylight and then they start fighting. But Umar radiallahu anh, he knew that these people are desperate, they're hopeless, they probably think they have nothing to lose. So they may attack you in the night. So be careful of that. This was the message from Umar radiallahu anh. So of course, after receiving this message from Amirul Mu'mineen, Shurahbil ibn Hassan and the rest of the army, they made sure that they were constantly prepared, that they were prepared you know, for an attack anytime. It may happen in the day, it may happen in the night. We have to be ready and on guard 24 hours a day. So they were prepared for this. And exactly what Umar radiallahu expected to happen, happened. This is exactly what the Byzantine army at Fihl did. They tried to launch a surprise attack on the Muslims in the night outside of the city. So the Muslims, they, they're around the city. They're on the outskirts of Fihl. And the Byzantines, they're inside the city. So in the night, they come out of the city and attack the Muslims who are stationed outside of the city. But Shurahbil ibn Hasana, 
he was prepared for this because he had gotten this message from Umar that this might happen. So he was completely prepared for it and the fighting began in the night on the outskirts of the city. So those Byzantines actually came out of the city to fight the Muslims. And this fighting goes on very intensively for the rest of the night. So it goes on basically all night fighting goes on. And then daylight breaks and the fighting continues into the day as well. So this is very intense. And it lasts almost a complete 24 hours, this fighting. Now the Byzantines, in order to try to fortify their city, Fihl was not a city that had fortresses and walls like some of the other cities that we've talked about, right? So what the Byzantines try to do, they try to make some type of a, a, a makeshift barrier to try to the best of their ability to prevent the Muslims from coming into the city. And what did they do? They basically poured water over all of the entrances of the city except one. Large amounts of water to make the dirt like mud, make it very soft and slippery so it would be hard to come through, you know, hard to walk through with, for the soldiers, hard for the horses to walk through. They tried to make the, the area very wet and muddy, except for one main entrance that they intended to use for their own coming in and coming out. As for the rest of the entrances of the city, they made it very muddy. That was, you know, their way of trying to fortify the city. All right, so now they have come out of the city. They're fighting the Muslims on the outside of the city. The Muslims are fighting them back intensively. And Alhamdulillah, eventually the Muslims, they get the upper hand. And these Byzantines, they have to retreat backwards towards the city again, towards the borders of the city again. Now, their whole plan of fortifying the city with mud, it, it backfired on them because eventually they had to retreat and they had nowhere else to retreat to except that mud that they had made themselves. Because the Muslims were able to block off the only clear entrance to the city. The Muslims were able to station themselves in front of that area. So when the Byzantines tried to retreat back in the city, there was nowhere else to retreat except into the mud. So once they retreated into the mud, then it becomes very difficult for them to maneuver. They can't really do anything anymore. They're kind of stuck. So the Muslims are able to complete the victory in that way, alhamdulillah. And Fihl was successfully conquered. So when Fihl was successfully conquered, Shurahbil ibn Hasana, who was the commander, he sent good news of this victory back to Medina to Umar ibn Khattab and he sent back to him the spoils of war as well. Now in the meantime, Hiraqal, who is the emperor of the Byzantine Empire, he's hearing about all of these defeats one after another, right? First it was Yarmouk and then Damascus, now Fihl. He's hearing about all of these defeats and he's becoming much more worried that he's losing a grip on, on Sham. He's losing his grip upon, you know, the greater Syrian area, city by city. So this is concerning him more and more. And he realizes that, you know, the Muslims are going from city to city, one by one, and he realizes their next target, the next target that, that they have their eyes set on for conquest will be the city of Hims. Hims, a very important city in Syria. So Hiraqal is worried now, they got Damascus, they got Fihl, now they're going to go to Hims. So Hiraqal, he prepared two armies to go to Hims before the Muslims can reach Hims. 
to go to Hims before the Muslims reach there. And if the Muslims try to capture Hims, then we'll have two armies ready there to fight against the Muslims. So this is what Hiraqal decided to do. So he dispatched these two armies. Now in the meantime, Abu Ubaidah, he hears about this plan of Hiraqal. Of course, you know, they have their, their intelligence all over the place. They're able to get this news. So Abu Ubaidah realizes that Hiraqal has dispatched two armies to Hims. So Abu Ubaidah wants to make sure that he intercepts those armies before they can reach Hims. Because if those two armies that are sent by Hiraqal, if they reach Hims, then things will become much more complicated and much more difficult because Hims is a fortified city. And they can, they can protect themselves behind the walls of that city. And they're two big armies. And the Muslims you know, will have a difficult time penetrating it if those armies are able to reach Hims. So Abu Ubaidah realizes that we need to catch those armies and intercept them before they can enter the city. We need to get them on the way to Hims. So this is what Abu Ubaidah does. He takes his army and Khalid ibn al-Walid is along with him as well and the rest of the army. There are about 16,000 people in this army. And they head to intercept these two armies that Hiraqal has sent towards Hims. All right, so now Abu Ubaidah, his army is one army with 16,000 people. But Hiraqal has sent two armies. So this is a logistic issue that needs to be solved. The Muslims have one army, Hiraqal has two. What are we going to do? So Abu Ubaidah, what he decides to do is he decides to split the Muslim army into half. The 16,000 army is split into two factions of 8,000 and 8,000. And each faction of the Muslim army can face one faction of Hiraqal's army. So it will be, you know, one-on-one -on -one instead of one-on-two or instead of two-on-one. So this is what Abu Ubaidah does. He divides his army into two equal parts. He takes command of one part himself and he appoints Khalid ibn al-Walid in charge of the other part. So now the Muslim army has subdivided into two armies. All right, now as for the two armies of Hiraqal, one of the armies was commanded by a Byzantine Christian archbishop named Tawdar. He was the commander of one of Hiraqal's army. And the other army, the second army that Hiraqal sent was commanded by a man named Shagash al-Rumi. So the first army was commanded by Tawdar. The second one was commanded by Shagash. So Abu Ubaidah and his army, they decided they will face the army of Shagash. And Khalid's faction was to face the army of Tawdar. So now each army is in front of its enemy. Khalid and his army have intercepted Tawdar and his army on the way to Hims. So they're in front of them, ready to fight. Abu Ubaidah and his army are in front of Shagash and his army on the way to Hims, intercepted on the pathway. So they're ready to fight. The night time comes. As for Abu Ubaidah's army, when morning comes, Abu Ubaidah, he attacks Shagash and his army. And Shagash and his army were much larger in number than Abu Ubaidah's army. Abu Ubaidah's army only had 8,000 people.
But as for the army of Shagash, which was sent by Hiraqal, the emperor of Byzantine, it was a much bigger army. So Shagash didn't think that, you know, 8,000 people, it's not going to be very difficult for us. That's what he thought. But when the fighting actually started, he realized that, you know, this is, this is much more intense than what, what we expected. Even though the, the numbers were small, the intensity that the Muslims fought with was great. So eventually, Shagash, he was overwhelmed by the Muslim army and his army was defeated. So Shagash and his army, they're gone, they're defeated. Okay, now as for Khalid, he was ready with his army to fight the army of Tawdar when the morning came. They were just waiting for morning to fight. But during the night, Tawdar, he thought about the situation and he decided to change his plan on his own. The plan was to go to Hims. That was what Hiraqal commanded Tawdar and his army to do. They were going to go towards Hims. But Tawdar is thinking now like, look, we haven't been able to reach Hims. Now we have this army of Khalid ibn al-Walid in front of us on our way to Hims. And also, you know, this army of, these armies of Abu Ubaidah and Tawdar, uh, these armies of Abu Ubaidah and Khalid have been conquering city after city after city. So Tawdar thinks to himself and thinks that, you know, it's probably not a good idea to move forward in this direction. If we try to fight against Khalid and his army, we're probably going to lose just like the rest of those armies lost. So what Tawdar decided to do in the night, he decided to change course, change direction. We're not going to Hems anymore. We're going to go to Damascus. And why did he decide to go to Damascus? Wasn't Damascus already conquered? Yes, it was. But he thought like, look, the whole Muslim army is here now. They're here to protect Hims. So that means there's not much protection left in Damascus. This is what he thought. There's not much protection left in Damascus. So Damascus is left relatively unprotected. So if I change my course now, I have a pretty big army can go to Damascus and we can probably easily retake Damascus. And Damascus anyways is more important than Hims. Damascus is a more important city. So if we can retake Damascus, that would be better than taking Hims. So this is what Tawdar decides to do in the night. He makes this plan. So Khalid is waiting for morning in order to attack. But then suddenly in the middle of the night, Tawdar and his army, they leave, they retreat. They're going in a different direction. So Khalid realizes, okay, something is going on. So he orders his army to pack up and follow the army of Tawdar, where they're going. And he realizes eventually from the direction that they're going, he realizes that they're heading towards Damascus. So he figures out the plan of Tawdar. Khalid, of course, he's a military genius. He knows exactly what Tawdar is trying to do. So Khalid orders his army, let's follow them. And then he also sends a message to the one who was appointed to take care of Damascus by Abu Ubaidah. Abu Ubaidah, when he left Damascus after the conquest of Damascus, he left Yazid ibn Abi Sufyan in charge of Damascus. So Yazid ibn Abi Sufyan is in Damascus. So Khalid sends a message to Yazid as well that Tawdar with his big army, they're, they're coming and they're going to try to take Damascus back. So then Yazid, he prepares whatever army he has in Damascus to face Tawdar on the outskirts of Damascus before he can enter. And of course, Yazid, he doesn't really have a big army with him in Damascus because the majority of the army, they're, they're gone. 
The majority of the army has gone with Abu Ubaidah and Khalid. Only a few forces are left in Damascus. But still, they're very well organized. They're very well prepared, even though their number is not very big. So Yazid prepares his army and they wait for Tawdar outside of the walls of Damascus, on the outskirts of the city of Damascus. So when Tawdar finally shows up with his army on the outskirts of Damascus, he's shocked, he's surprised that Yazid and the army of Damascus, the Muslim army of Damascus is already there waiting for them outside. So he's shocked at that. And then, in addition to that, Khalid was hot on his tail as well. So within a short period of time, Khalid and his army, they arrived from behind. So now what is the situation here? Right outside of Damascus, Tawdar is in the middle. Yazid and his army in front, Khalid and his army in the back. And Tawdar is sandwiched inside. He can't move forward. He can't go backwards. He can't retreat. He's stuck. So what else can he do? He starts to fight. They start to fight. And it's a very bloody battle. But Tawdar and his army are basically completely obliterated. Only very, very few people survived. And Tawdar himself was also killed in this battle. So Alhamdulillah, this shows the, the military genius of Khalid ibn al-Walid once again. He proves his military genius and his brilliance time and time again. This is another example of that. Tawdar and his army sandwiched outside of, of, of the city of Damascus. And the whole army of Tawdar and Tawdar himself, they're all killed. Or the majority of them are killed. So now after this, after both of Hiraqal's armies that he has sent for him, they're both defeated. The army of Shagash was defeated by Abu Ubaidah, and now this army of Tawdar has been defeated by Khalid ibn al-Walid, and also Yazid ibn Abi Sufyan outside of Damascus. Both of these armies are gone now. So now Hiraqal, he starts to panic more. Like every time I send help, every time I send more support, my armies, they keep getting defeated and defeated and defeated again. But he's still worried about Hims. He's still worried that the Muslims eventually they're going to go to Hims and they're going to conquer Hims. And that's an important city. So Hiraqal himself sends a message to the people of Hims. Like if the Muslims come to conquer Hims, do not surrender. Do not surrender. And he tells them, look, just wait. Be patient and wait. Fortify yourself in the fortresses of Hims. It's a fortified city. Even if the Muslims siege around there, don't come out, but just wait for me. I'm coming myself. Hiraqal said he's going to come himself. I'm going to come myself with the army and you know we will defeat the Muslims together. This is what Hiraqal propositioned to the people of Hims. So the people of Hims, they, they, they see this message from Hiraqal and they say, okay, this is good. Hiraqal, he's the emperor. Of course, you know, he has the whole military at his command. He can come and definitely he can support us. So we will do what he tells us to do. So now Hiraqal, he comes into Sham. But he's afraid that if he goes to Khums and he doesn't have a huge army, he's afraid that if he personally is defeated, if he is the commander and he himself is defeated, that's the end of his empire. That's the end of his kingdom. So he's very worried that even though he had an army with him, he was afraid it, it might not be enough to withstand the Muslims after seeing what the Muslims had done to these other cities, with these other cities and how they conquered them, even though they were, they were so vastly outnumbered. 
So Hiraqal is worried, even though he promised these people that he will support them and that he will come himself, he didn't want to do it until he gathered a, a huge, huge army. And gathering a huge army like that, it takes time. So Hiraqal, he's in Sham, but he's, he doesn't want to make any move yet until he feels he has enough manpower with him. So he starts you know, calling many soldiers to come and join him. Now, of course, this takes a period of time. This, this, this is not something that can be done in one or two days, gathering such a huge army. So while he's gathering the army, the Muslims, they reach Hems. And the people of Hems, they fortify themselves in the fortresses and they lock themselves behind the walls. And they wait. They're waiting for Hiraqan. Now this siege, it takes a long time. And these people are patiently waiting for Hiraqal. When he's going to come? He said he's going to come. They wait and they wait and they wait. And they become restless waiting. And eventually they decide like, we can't wait any longer for Hiraqal. He said he's going to come, but he hasn't showed up. It's been so long. We've been stuck in here for so long. It's no use waiting for him any longer. So they sent a message to Abu Ubaidah, who was outside the city. They sent a message to him that we want to surrender the city to you. We don't want to fight. So Abu Ubaidah accepts this. And through this, the city of Hims is conquered by the Muslims peacefully. Alhamdulillah. So now they have Hims as well. So they have Damascus. They have Fihl. Now they have Hims. These are all big, important cities in Syria. So after the conquest of Hims, Abu Ubaidah, he put Ubadah ibn Samit, one of the great companions of the Prophet wasallam. he puts Ubadah ibn Samit in charge of Hims, and then he moves forward. Abu Ubaidah with his army, they move forward to the next, to the next conquest, and that is the city of Hamat. And also a very important city, which was a, a center of, of education and civilization. So when they reached the city of Hamat, the people of this city, they were smarter, they were wiser. They had seen what was going on all around. They saw how Damascus was conquered. They saw how Hims was conquered. They saw how Fihl was conquered. They saw how all of these cities are being conquered one by one by one. And no one has been able to withstand the Muslim army. So the people of Hamat, they're smart, they're wise. They immediately surrender peacefully. They say, we're not even going to put up a struggle. We surrender peacefully. And Abu Ubaidah, he accepts this surrender and the city of Hamat is also conquered, alhamdulillah. So you see one by one, these cities of Syria are being conquered by the Muslims, alhamdulillah. Then Abu Ubaidah, he sent Khalid ibn al-Walid with one faction of the army to Qin Nasreen. And this is another city, right? That's the next, that's the next conquest. He sends Khalid ibn al-Walid to Qin Nasreen and the commander of the Byzantine army there at Qin Nasreen was a commander, a very decorated Byzantine commander named Minas. So the fighting took place outside of the city of Qin Nasreen. Right, the soldiers came outside of the city and they fought. And Khalid was able to defeat the soldiers, but there were a few surviving soldiers who were able to retreat into the city and they locked themselves in the fortresses of Qin Nasreen. So they locked themselves in the fortresses and the Muslims are around. And Khalid ibn al-Walid, he sent a message to these people who had locked themselves in these fortresses. He sent a message to them. And he said in this message, لَوْ كُنْتُمْ فِي السَّحَابِ لَحَمَلَنَ اللَّهُ إِلَيْكُمْ أَوْ لَأَنزَلَكُمْ إِلَيْنَا فَانْظُرُوا فِي أَمْرِكُمْ 
that wherever you are, even if you're up in the clouds, it doesn't matter where you are, even if you're up in the clouds, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take us to you. Or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring you down to us. We're going to get you whatever happens. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to give us victory. So, then see what you want to do. But the wise thing to do would just be to surrender now. Because whether you surrender or not, eventually we are going to get you. So they read this message and they thought about the situation that, you know, what he's saying makes sense. Look what happened at Damascus. Look what happened at Hims. Look what happened here. Look what happened there. The, you know, the, the pattern is ongoing. What makes us think that we're going to be any different? So they accepted this and they decided to surrender peacefully as well. So they surrendered peacefully as well. But Khalid ibn al-Walid, he made a con condition upon the people of Qin Nasreen that you surrender and we will accept your surrender. We will accept a peace treaty with you, but under the condition that you have to destroy the fortresses of your city. You have to destroy the walls of the city. And why did Khalid want them to destroy the walls of, of Qin Nasreen? Because he feared that if he left Qin Nasreen fortified like that, they surrendered peacefully and then Khalid leaves with his army. Eventually Hiraqal might come there because Hiraqal, where he was in Sham, it was near that area. So he was afraid Hiraqal might come with his army that he's still trying to prepare. Hiraqal might come and fortify himself in that city. And then these people of Qin Nasreen, even though they agreed to the peace treaty, with Hiraqal's support, they may go back on that treaty. They may betray that peace treaty. So he didn't want to take the risk of them having a fortified city with Hiraqal nearby. So he said, we'll accept your peace tree, but you have to destroy the fortification of the city, destroy the walls. So they agreed to this. After discussing it amongst each other, they agreed to this and they destroyed the fortification of their city, of the city of Qin Nasreen. So Qin Nasreen was conquered peacefully in that way as well. All right, now Hiraqal is seeing all of these defeats one by one by one. And he's getting scared himself. You know that Khalid, he conquers one city, and then, you know, immediately he goes on to the next city. Then he conquers that city. Then immediately he goes on to the next city. And he's coming closer to me. Hiraqal is worried that Khalid keeps getting closer to where Hiraqal himself has stationed himself. So every time Khalid comes closer, Hiraqal moves. Because he doesn't want to be in close proximity with Khalid. But Khalid starts chasing him. Whatever direction Hiraqal is going in, Khalid is behind him. So Hiraqal keeps moving, moving, moving. And eventually what does Hiraqal do? He abandons Sham. He leaves Syria. And he goes back to his capital city. He goes all the way back to Constantinople. So Khalid ibn al-Walid, you know, through his, through his military strategy and brilliance, he was able to chase the emperor of the Byzantine Empire, you know, one of the most powerful men of his time. Khalid ibn al-Walid was able to chase this guy out of Syria. So the guy had to take refuge in his own, back in his own capital city, back in Constantinople. So these victories in Syria, very decisive victories, very important victories for the Muslims during the Khilafah of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. Inshallah, we'll stop there for today and bi-idhnillah, next week we will continue with the seerah of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. Barakallahu feekum, wallahu alam, sallallahu wa sallam, wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.